0: Look at me. I'm the captain
1: now. Well, there's no doubt in anyone's mind that Howie Roseman is definitely the captain now. This is the Boomer Bus Podcast. I am your host, Pat Egan, along with my co-host, Charlie O'Connor. Howie got right back to work because, you know, he could be relegated back to the mailroom. At now. any time, really. Yeah. So he gets right back to work, and he ends up signing Brent Selick, Lane Johnson, soon-to-be Fletcher Cox, Zach and Zach Ertz all to long term deals. Real quick, uh, do you like the moves?
0: I I think that they were they're all ex- very justifiable. I mean, am I my jumping for joy? I'll probably wait until they sign Fletcher Cox. That's the one that they absolutely need to do because he's the best player on the team and really am I my want to I I don't know where you would rank him. I would say probably like one of the top ten best defensive players in the league. I think is fair. I mean, would you would you agree with that? Yeah, because he's dominated at both defensive tackle and defensive end. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to like go through and actually make a list, but I think there's a real case that he's one of the ten best defensive players in the league. I'd be hard pressed to find, you know, ten that are better. Yeah, I mean, like you know, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, JJ Watt, JJ Watt, Patrick Peterson. Um, Luke Keekly, maybe. Yeah, probably Kuechly. Um, maybe Norman. Although he's really only just had the one good year, but that's really that, good the, year. But, but, but that's
1: our point. Is yeah, they're they, it, not going to find. There's
0: not a ton of guys that jump out as like obviously better than Fletcher Cox. So when they find when they sign back Fletcher Cox, which by all accounts it looks like they're they're ready to do, it's going to happen in the next you know next week or so. I'll be really happy. But yeah, I think they were all maybe the Selick signing is a little bit you know odd because his role is kind of diminished recently but he's still a very good blocker he's he's a useful player um the earth signing though I think is the one that's probably you know been the been the most polarizing um so I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it um Lane Johnson you know this is a guy who they drafted in the top five you know, he's clearly a a key piece of the team moving forward so that was that felt like it was gonna happen but Earths is a little bit different because Earths it seems like we're always. He's all, I, I almost kind of would, would would put him as like the Sean Couturier of the Eagles. We're perpetually like we're, waiting, we're perpetually for, waiting him. for him to have that breakout. And Couturier this year has you know broken out in a lot of ways. But with Ertz, like you watch him play, he makes a couple great plays a game, and you think he's going to have that year where he has a thousand yards and seventy catches and ten touchdowns, and it just hasn't happened yet. So you're almost paying him for potential. Um, what are your thoughts on the uh, on the Ertz signing? I I really like it because and and you're right. I mean,
1: Zach Ertz is a guy who every single year we're like this is going to be the year. I mean, it doesn't really happen. And he'll show flashes, but he doesn't break out the way that um the way that we thought. And he gets he gets paid like a, a top tight end now. Yeah. I like it for the for the fact of like look, this is like playing a quarterback now, right? So if if you give Sam Bradford say 20 million dollars and you're like that's way overpaid. Well, you wait like two years and that deal is going to look minuscule yeah. Yeah. because that's just the mark. The market is never going to be going down for the NFL. It's only going to be going up. So fans could look at Zachert's game log and, and say, well, he only came on the back half of the year. I mean, his first game, he had three catches for 46 next game, three catches for 17 next game, two for 30 next game, two for 11. And then he started to really kind of pick it up. Now, you could look at it two ways. You could look at it as, well, this is what he does every year. He seems to kind of come on strong at the very end. Yeah, he does. You're right. Or you could look at it the way I do, where this guy had sports hernia surgery and started to hit his groove around the time when he should have. I mean, I don't think he should have been playing weeks one through three anyway. The yeah. fact he was on the field was so somewhat of a miracle. That, that's
0: fair. A lot of people do forget the injury he dealt with. So. Exactly.
1: So when you factor in the injury and, the, and then you factor in how he was a go-to target for Bradford, if you bring Bradford back, I would expect a huge year from Zach Hurts, but... More to the point, a lot of people were, were pissed because they're, well he's you know he's not a complete tight end he still has trouble blocking. When was the last time you saw Jimmy Graham block? Yeah. I mean, every Eagles fan that is complaining about Zach Erd's blocking style would take Jimmy Graham in a heartbeat, not realizing that he had a down year and he doesn't block at all. So you're you're not gonna you're not gonna find the perfect tight end. They just don't grow on trees where it's a guy can block with the best of them and also catch the ball. Yeah, there's only no, there's, even... there's
0: only one Rob Gronkowski.
1: Exactly. I mean, but. Also, like, Tony Gonzalez isn't walking out yeah. of, you know, retirement and on your team. Exactly. Rob Gronkowski is a rarity. He's just a specimen of of just an absolute force. And we sit there and we want, like, one of the two. Well, I feel like they, they locked up the blocking tight end
0: in, Selleck, in okay. Selleck
1: and also the receiving tight end in Ertz. And I feel like after, as I said, two three years down the line, this deal is not going to look as, oh, my God, I can't believe they overpaid for it. It's going to be locking up. And. We had a couple people at the station call up and say, "I don't know why you're giving Howie Roseman credit for locking guys up. Every team locks guys up. Well, tell that to Detroit Lions fans who own Dominican Sue jerseys." Yeah, you know, I mean, as you said, Fletcher Cox was the big one because he is argued that he's their best player on the on the team. Yeah,
0: hands down. Especially now that Peters is is declined.
1: And do you really want to piss him off by waiting yet again to sign a deal when he could see? Look, it's only going up. Yeah, I've never really had injury problems. I'll just wait the year and I'll hit free agency and I'll just make bank. He could do that. He's not from the area. He's not from the Northeast at all. Yeah. No, so you lock him up so you don't have an Indomican Sue issue or even worse, a Reggie White issue where you waited too long. I mean, Reggie White's a little different because the team refused to even pay him basically and he had to leave. But still, you don't want that to happen. So I I like the moves. Um, It looks like Bradford will probably be next. My question, though, is with Lane Johnson re-signing, and as you said, key figure, drafted in the first round, fourth overall, so obviously you expect that. You expected a long-term deal if you panned out, which he has. Do you move him to left
0: tackle, and if so, is this the end for Jason Peters? Well, it seemed like Peterson, in his his recent comments, it seems like he wants Peters back. I, I think you have to... I don't know if you cut Jason Peters. I don't know. And, and this is primarily just because it's not because there isn't somebody that can replace Peters. Because I think Johnson can. I think, you know, he played a couple games at left tackle, had, I think, a, a really good game, then a, then a kind of end game. But he's got the physical ability. You don't you don't draft a guy in the top in the top five to play right tackle. You just don't. You, you draft him because you see them as their, your left tackle of the future. And Lane Johnson is the left tackle of the future. He's going to be there at some point. The, the one reason why I worry about getting rid of Peters entirely is I don't know who then replaces Lane Johnson. Like, they need to—this offseason, they need to have a real infusion of talent on the offensive line, though, whether that's drafting or whether that's free agency, I don't know. But if you move Lane Johnson to left tackle, then who plays right tackle? Like, we saw this year how bad the offensive line depth was when you have two guards that aren't very good, and then because the two guards weren't very good, you had Kelsey had a bad year. I don't know if it was entirely due to the, the the guys alongside of him, but it certainly didn't help. So you've got a weak offensive line. I understand why you would consider getting rid of Peters because you know he coming off of a year where he really didn't play that well, even when he was healthy, and then when he was you know then he was injured all the time, and then you can make a case that he quit on his teammates at the There's end no of the year because, with me. because, he because did. Well, yeah, because he didn't like Kelly. I, you know, I understand why you could get rid of him, but I don't know if I don't know if you want to necessarily. Do that unless you're certain you're going to get talent in there to at least make it so your quarterback doesn't get killed. Because I'm not even talking about, I'm not even talking about like we need an offensive line because we need to win. Talking about, you know, if you sign Bradford, you got a guy who's had injury problems and you don't want that guy with injury problems to get hurt the first game of the year because then you sign him to a five year extension or whatever, then your extension looks terrible because he tore his ACL again because it doesn't have an offensive line protecting him. So, yeah, I think Lane Johnson I think signing this deal, Lane Johnson knows that either this either next year or the year after he's gonna be the left tackle. They just need to get more talent on the offensive line so they can afford to move on from a guy like Peters, who is is clearly, you know, his time's running out.
1: Yeah, I think um I think if Kelly were still on the team, Peters would definitely be gone. Yeah, because I agree. he with had that. no
0: problem cutting guys. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious that Peters
1: just quit on the team. Um I, I see Peter Peters pisses me off. I just see him as a me first player. I mean, the whole BS of I should have been first team all pro and stuff like dude you're barely on the field yeah, you like you hobbled off every single game at one point if you were even playing and have I mean it's like you were either injured and out or you were hobbling off the field at one point your your talent has declined every year because you're just getting older I mean father time is undefeated so I would keep him for a year because next year I think the dead cap the dead money would be like 2 million it goes down by a million each yeah, year yeah. so that's not too bad but I would keep him. But you had to draft an offensive tackle in the first round and, and groom him to be the right tackle. Yeah. If that's the case. Now, that's so rare, though, that guys are drafted in the first round at tackle and they don't play right away. That's the problem. But maybe you can get one in the third and groom him. I don't know. I mean, it's such an such an important position of, of both tackle positions. The left tackle is obviously more important. That's why you would put Lane Johnson over there. But it it just brings up so many questions going into the draft of of where do they go? Do they go tackle? Do they go offensive line? Do they go quarterback? Guard, I should say. Do they go quarterback? Do they go another position that we're not discussing? I mean, it's so many questions leading up, and we'll discuss that later. We're not going to focus too much on the Eagles stuff because there's just— It's the, the offseason. Yeah, it's the offseason. We're not sports radio. We're not going to bash it down your throat. But we do want to get in the Super Bowl real quick. Our picks— were wonderful. They were really bad. I, I'm i not going to play it because uh, I'll, I'll just regurgitate basically what I said, which was that Peyton Manning is old, and Tom Brady would walk into the Super Bowl, and I felt like Bruce Arians was just a better coach than Ron Rivera, so the Cardinals were going to win.
0: Great call. Great, great yeah, call. I, I, I wasn't man. much better. I mean, I, I think I said that the, the Broncos were going to, Lose a close game But I still said They were going to lose And then I thought the, I thought the Cardinals Were going to win Pretty much since Midway through the year I thought they were going To go into the Super Bowl So I look like an idiot too No you don't look like a, You don't look as much
1: Of an idiot Because at the end of the day You still have a degree From Penn <laughs> And I have a degree From Newman So you're not As much of an idiot You didn't go out And say they were To walk into the Super Bowl it seems like every time I go on, a, like not even a limb, but I just make like a bold statement like that. It just always backfires. Like every but, single Eagles game, exactly. But uh, the Super Bowl is set. It's going to be Carolina versus
0: Denver. Who do you got? You know, I mean, I I I want Denver to win, and it's not. It's nothing against the Panthers. I like the Panthers. This I I was I was thinking about it a couple weeks. Well, not a week. I guess a week ago when when the games got done. This is maybe the first Super Bowl of my lifetime. Like I guess not in my lifetime, but as like a fan of the NFL, like actually being conscious of what's going on in the NFL and following it. I think this is the first Super Bowl where I like both teams. Like there isn't one team that I'm that I'm actively rooting against. Just because you know every year it seems like the Patriots who I don't like, Steelers Steelers who I don't like. I'm um, trying to think what... Some the- team who beat the Eagles. Yeah, some team who beat the Eagles. Like, I guess when the Colts play the Bears, I like both teams, but I was rooting for the Colts. I like the Colts a lot, so that was very easy for me to just jump on one bandwagon. This year, I like both the teams. I like Denver because I'm a big Peyton fan. I-, I like Carolina because I like their defense. I-, I like Ron Rivera. I like Cam Newton. But I'm rooting for, the- for Denver just because I'd love to see Peyton end his career with a Super Bowl. I think if he wins... He'll retire, and it'd be it'd be nice to see a guy who I think I still think is the best quarterback of all time. I'm i in the minority there, but I'd like to see him add another ring to make that case stronger uh, against guys like Brady and Montana. Um, and you know I I, I think I'm going to go with Denver, and I know that you know the stats would say Carolina's a better team. You know, obviously coming off their dominating performance against Arizona, a very good team. It's it's easy to pick them, and apparently all the Vegas money's going for going for Carolina. But I just you know, I have to think that number one, I think a lot of people are underrating Denver's defense. I think that the 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 job they did against Brady in that game was was unreal. Like that was that was New York Giants Super Bowl against Patriots level performance. Like they they did not give him any time at all. They were beating the crap out of him all game, and I think a lot of people are underrating the Denver defense, even though they dominated. Tom Brady, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, coming off of one of his better years of his career, and they took him apart. And I think, I think Denver can keep it, can keep Carolina mostly off the scoreboard. Like obviously, Cam Newton's going to get some some big plays, maybe you know a touchdown to Greg Olson or a big run or whatever. But I think they can keep them under like twenty four points. And I just I feel like Manning maybe has one more good game in him. This is, this, I think he knows this is this is probably his last game. He knows he doesn't have to do it all, but I believe that he's going to step up, and I think he's going to score just enough points to give him the win. I can totally understand why most people are going with Carolina, but I don't know. I just have a feeling that uh, that he's got one more great one in him.
1: Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it's either going to be really good Manning or really bad Manning. Yeah, yeah, I and, and I
0: I want to say that it's going to be a really good
1: Manning. The last showing the Super Bowl was god awful Manning. And he's never really had an elite. He's just, look, the guy's been a choke artist in, in the playoffs. And I, he's such a good quarterback. And I don't want that to be the downfall of him. I mean, if you look at his brother right now, his brother is not nearly the quarterback that he is in his career. His brother has two Super Bowl rings. And those two Super Bowl rings are probably going to get, there. are, he's, Eli Manning is a Hall of Famer. When you look at his numbers, now, that's my greatest case for like, we, we sit here as a day and, like, oh, let's the The Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good. Like you never watched Eli Manning, and we're like, wow, this guy's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah,
0: you were never wowed by him. Yeah, but, but you he had two look great his playoff number, fronts. And,
1: yeah, exactly. And it happens all the time. We're like, we don't realize, like, because we're twenty six. These guys that get in the Hall of Fame nowadays that we didn't watch play. Not all of these guys were like Barry Sanders, where it was like, oh, this guy's a sure ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah. Some of these guys were just they accumulated great career and great stats. That's Eli Manning. Peyton Manning is the opposite, right? He. He was elite from the get-go. Well, not alright, not the get-go. I shouldn't say that. His his rookie year was rough, but this guy was at the at the pinnacle of quarterbacks. It was like him and Brady, one A, one B, yeah, going back and forth. And he always struggled in the big game. And I, it would be kind of funny for me of all those years of elite Manning struggling in the playoffs for him to, in the worst season of his career, end up winning the winning the Super Bowl and going out on top. So as the game i just i have a hard time believing that carolina a team who struggled kind of against the eagles would 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 beat a denver defense as good as they are so i'll i'll, I'll pick denver now with that being said the fact that we both pick denver look for carolina to roll 49 and nothing yeah and
0: i i do think that i like i don't think denver i don't think denver can can win this game in a blowout like i it, yeah if it's it, 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 if it's a it, shootout yeah, Cam it can't win it, it's much more like I can easily see Carolina winning forty to ten, whereas if Denver wins, I think they they can only win close. Like they're only going to win by like a touchdown or a field goal. Whereas Carolina has the capability to just go in there and steamroll Denver. It should be
1: it should be fun though. I mean, I'm actually looking forward to it because, as you said, the Steelers aren't in it, the Patriots aren't in it. Like it's two teams. I mean, the De- Denver was in a couple of years ago, but it's two teams that at least like new and fresh. Yeah. I mean, it would be, it'd be nice to get the Eagles in it, but that—that'd that, be—that'd be cool. Hey, maybe one day, Charlie. Maybe one remember, day when we're seventy. So the NHL All Star break is upon us right now. All Star game
0: today. Today? Well, you'll probably be listening to this. I don't know. You think we think we'll have it up today? On we'll Sunday? have
1: it up. I mean, I'm—I don't know if I'm gonna promote it on a Sunday. Mm. It's the Sabbath, Charlie. <laughs> Got to rest. It's the Sabbath. <laughs> uh, yeah. You you might actually listen to it uh, before
0: the game. But uh, are you gonna watch a game? Um, I've, I'll probably have it on in the background. I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big All Star game guy, mm-hmm. and and not just for hockey. I mean, I really don't watch any. The, of well, them. the Pro Bowl's a joke. Yeah, the Pro Bowl's a joke. I don't even watch the NBA, M- the, uh, MLB All Star game, even though it matters. I, I just, it, it just doesn't appeal to me. I one thing I'll say about the All Star game this is just like a, a quick, you know, quick tangent. But the All Star games, I think, used to be really cool when like interleague play didn't happen. You know, because there's, you know. When teams back in the day, specifically for baseball, when teams only played teams in their league, like, it was cool to see the All-Star game. I wasn't alive for this, but my dad tells me, like, it was cool, the All-Star game, because you would finally get to see the National League players play against the American League players. It was the only time they were on the same field at the same time, aside from the World Series. I think interleague play is sort of, you you lose that, because if you're a Phillies fan and you want to see the Yankees, they're probably going to be there, you know, once every two years. Um, But anyway, so I'll, I'll... Pop it on the background, I'll probably be like working on an article or something. Um, but uh, but one thing the All-Star Break does allow us to do as as Flyers fans, hockey fans, whatever, is it kind of gives us a, a chance to to take a break and and assess how the season has gone so far. Um, not just for the flyers, for the NHL as a whole. Um so right. one thing we do at Broad Street Hockey is uh, we have a feature called the top twenty five under twenty five. That's broadstreethockey.com, correct. Yeah. You get that little plug in. That's right. Gotta love it. Um, and basically what the feature tries to do is it rates, it evaluates all the players that are under team control. So they don't have to be on the flyers. They can be with the, the Phantoms and the AHL. They can be playing overseas, but they were drafted by the team. They can be in juniors. And it ranks them in terms of, uh, you know, who the best player is right now, who they, who we think has the most potential, who we think is the most valuable. Um, so kind of the way I, I tend to do it is, you know, who would fetch the most in a trade um, who has the most trade value? I feel like that's probably the, the best way to do it. But everybody has their own style. But uh, we usually do it in the off season, and then mid season we'll do like an update. And what we've been doing over the past couple of days is uh is providing our rankings. I think today we released uh ten through six. So tomorrow we'll be doing uh one through five. But um, but it, it, it's it's a fun it's a fun feature because it sort of forces you to kind of assess how the players that the team views as their future, how they've done over the year. And and one thing I'll say about the Flyers is that in doing my list, it surprised me how many players in the top 25 and 25 have seen their stock go up. You know, this has been a year for the Flyers where they're probably not going to make the playoffs. Maybe they have a shot to sneak in, but even if they do, they're not, they're not making any noise. They're probably going to go out in the first round. But so many of their their prospects, so many of their players even on the team, they're, they're increasing their value. This has been a, well, a really good year for the Flyers in terms of development across the board. I can only think of two guys whose stock might have slipped, and
1: that's Robert Hague and Scott Lawton. Yeah, you absolutely right. And that's right. it. Like, I mean, other than that, and it's so rare for a team to have top— Look, you get top draft picks, and you hope for the best, right? I mean, that's what you do. But you expect—and if, and we've talked about this—you get five defensemen— Draft them in the in the first round. Probably three are going to succeed, two or three, and you're happy with that. If yeah. two succeed, you're 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 good. If you have like the New York Rangers in the mid 2000s and nobody succeeds, well, that's a problem. Yeah, that was bizarre. How
0: many how many defensemen did they draft in that run? <sighs> I don't want to talk about it. Well, it's funny, and the funny thing no, is, is mean, the, it, the guy okay. who does pan out is the guy they steal from uh from Montreal. Well, it was just, I mean, they would draft
1: like Al Montoya in the first round, sixth overall, and. You know, guys. That Hugh Jessiman was probably the worst draft pick of all time. Hey, that was the, that. That was that was in the best draft
0: year, and he was like the stacked, one bust, right?
1: Twelfth overall from Dartmouth, and he just sucked. I think he played two games with Florida, and it was just it was awful. And I remember when they drafted Montoya. We were it's funny. We were at a a birthday party, at Dorney Park. I don't know if you remember this. They had the NHL draft, and I look up, and we were like eating, and and so they had the, the ticker going. And it says New York Rangers sixth overall, Al Montoya, goalie, Michigan. And I turn and I'm like, why the hell would they take a goalie? They have Lundquist. <laughs> it was the stupidest thing in the world. Like I not understand. You need goaltending, sure. I mean, like, and they actually did it uh, two years a year ago. Whenever the draft was in Philly, they took like a goalie in the second round. They took two goalies top. But I'm gonna get off my Rangers tangent. Nobody cares. The fact is, the
0: Flyers have been hitting tremendously on their
1: on their prospects recently.
0: Yeah, and. And you make a really good point in saying that like the only two guys that maybe have seen their stock go down is, is Robert Haig and, and Lawton. Um, Haig, I think, is the, the one that definitely has seen his stock go down, which has surprised me because he was really, really impressive in, um, in camp and then in preseason. If, if you remember, um, the two guys that stayed up, because the, the Flyers evaluated all, all of their big five, so the big five being uh, Goss, Spare, Pavorov, Sanheim, Haig, and then Sam Moran. And they sent Voroff and Sanheim back to juniors, and then they sent Moran to the AHL, and they kept Haig and Gossespierre up the longest. Those are the two guys that stayed and, uh, and were, like, among the last cuts. So the team liked what they saw in him, and then he goes down to the AHL and starts out the year okay and then got hurt, and now he's getting scratched. Like, this it's a real concern as to what you know what his development's gonna you gonna be because I came into the year higher on Robert Haig than Sam Moran and I was probably in the minority there because Moran's the, the big mean guy who everybody wants to dream on. But I liked Haig's games better and by all accounts Moran has taken a leap forward this year. Um from what I've heard from people that cover the team um he definitely still has weaknesses. You know, he's not the best with the puck on his stick, but he's getting better. And what everybody says about Sam Moran is that he's got an amazing work ethic. This guy is, is a sponge. You know, he, he, he really, he sucks up any, any instruction he's given and he's coachable. You know, he'll learn from his mistakes and he's progressively getting better. Whereas it seems like Hague is regressing, which is weird. Um, Lawton, He's he's been, I would say, disappointing to a degree, particularly I actually wrote did his write up for the top twenty five hundred twenty five we, we released today. And the weird thing about Lawton is that you know he was drafted as like a two way forward. Um, they they kind of the organization sort of sold him as um, as they they tend to do. They sold him as the next Mike Richards, just like they did with Braden Shen. They traded, you know, Mike Richards for in the deal. But. Um, but he was also compared to John Madden, not the not the the fat John Madden, but the uh, the the forward for the devils back in the, the trap era. Um he was compared to Madden as like you know potential selkie contender in his prime. That was his upside. And the weird thing with Lawton is that he's been terrible in his own zone this year, really bad. And he's actually looked much better offensively, where he's he's shown, you know, plus skating ability, a good shot, good instincts in the offensive zone. But it's all getting outweighed because he's just really bad in his own end, and I, I guess I wasn't—I know defense is tough for forwards. You know, it, it, it's pretty rare where you get a guy like Sean Gutierrez who comes in and at age, you know, 19 is immediately, a, you know, a top-tier defensive forward. It doesn't happen. Players need to, need to get used to the pace, but I guess I wasn't expecting him to be this bad. I, I was expecting him to show a little bit more, and it kind of— kind of reminds me of Brayden Shen because Brayden Shen had the same thing he was he came in and he had the reputation of a two-way forward and his defense has never really come around you know he, he doesn't play on the penalty kill he's he's more of an offense only guy and it just shows how hard it is to you know to, to evaluate defense in juniors because these guys you know they're probably the best player on their team so of course well, yeah, the, he was the captain of the, the team, or, team of team, team Canada, Canada yeah, in, the world juniors. in the world juniors but i guess what it is is that these guys are they're the best player on their team so they're obviously going to play in all situations and you know maybe just being more physically gifted than everyone you can look good defensively and then when you play against guys who are just as good as you you if you don't have those instincts then it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't necessarily translate. It's hard. It's. It's. it's a lot harder to judge defense and offense. I feel like um, at times with players coming in, they'll they'll bust their ass
1: early on to do anything to make the team make an impact, and that includes hustling back and playing good, good defense to the to the best their their ability. Yeah. But then when the offensive starts coming, they kind of might tail back a little bit and say, "Well, you know, I don't really need to do that anymore because I'm I'm focused on scoring." So. You know, I don't really need to hustle back on defense because if we get the puck back, now I'm in a better position for a breakout. I could be completely off my rocker, but I feel like at times that can happen with a young player, and it's kind of understandable. You know, you, you, you want to make an impact early on. You want to just you do do the bare minimum. But once you sc- start scoring goals and you're like, oh, I kind of belong here offensively, you're not realizing how you're hurting the team defensively, how you're not playing the best defense, how you're coasting back, because you you justify it by saying, well, you know, I'm I'm pretty good offensively. I'm doing yeah. all right. So... I feel like that might be the case with him but I, I don't know. I can't I can't say. I never played in the NHL. <laughs> yeah. I mean
0: it, it's it's tough and maybe he'll get better. He, he's still um believe he's uh believe he's 22. 22, 21. Oh, he's so. gone. So I mean he, he No, he's there, done. <laughs> it's over. Bust. Um, but but to to turn the discussion I guess into in, in a better direction. Um when I was ranking my uh my list the most difficult stretch uh, to rank was actually uh, two through four, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna release who the blog as a whole voted two through four. But to me, number one was obviously Couturier. Um, you know, especially because the minutes he gets and the improvement he's made this year. That's that's number one. He's he's the guy. But two through four to me was um, uh Provorov, and Braden Shen. And I you know at first. I lean towards like, oh, well, I gotta go with the guy who's who's done it the longest. So I'll put I'll put Shen at two. Shen's been at two in our list for a while. And I'm like, but you know, Gosses Bear, even even though it's it's only 30, you know, 30 or so games, he's looked better in those 30 games than Brady Shen has ever looked in the NHL. So I kind of want to put him there. But then Provorov actually probably has the highest upside of anyone in in the Flyers pipeline, aside from Katuria, I guess. So I kind of wanted to put him there. So I, the the order I ended up going with was Goss's bear at two, Shen at three, and Pervorov at four, just because there's uncertainty with Pervorov because he's only in juniors. But I went back and forth. And I, I'd be curious to hear your opinion. Um, like you know who, what, what would the order you would be? Would you go with the 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 proven NHL player, the the guy with you know all the hype because of a great start, or the prospect who's probably the best prospect they have? Like what what order would you rank them? That's tough. Uh proven guy first. So Shen ahead of ahead of Gosses Bear and Provorov. And
1: yeah, I, I in that order. Just because Gossas Bear has made the NHL. We've seen guys tear it up in the AHL and just not amount to, to much. We've seen guys tear it up in juniors and not amount to much. And you know what happens? You see guys like Patrick O'Sullivan who score fifty goals in mm. the AHL and come up and they they can't really make an impact in the NHL. So if you have a guy like Shane Gossisbear, who's making an impact in the NHL, and Braden Shen, who, look, he's not going to be that thirty goal scorer that he, you know we all thought when he came over and hyped him up as this and that. He's not going to be that, but he's still a solid NHL player under the age of twenty five, and you can't you can't just discredit that. Yeah. You know, so that's what I would take it because I'm more of a you know bird in the hand worth two in the bush kind of guy. So I would I would take the proven commodities over the, the prospects. Do I think that Provorov is probably going to be better than than both of them? Well, yeah, but. You don't know. How, but that's the point. I mean, the amount of times—I'm a big baseball prospects guy. I love following prospects. The amount of times where I've said, oh, this guy's a stud. Oh, this guy's going to be the next superstar. And you never hear from him again. I have a Gavin Floyd jersey.
0: <laughs> Gavin Floyd. <laughs> you, do. For you all You break it fans, out like once a year.
1: Yeah, I, I, absolutely. you got to break it out um, to let people know you're not bandwagon hopper. But that was my point. Like, it was Cole Hamels and Gavin Floyd. And my big guy was Gavin Floyd. I loved Gavin Floyd. Most people can't tell me where Gavin Floyd
0: is right now. He had a decent career, where but he was where never where the eight. Where is ace. He now? I know he was obviously had a, had a solid career with Chicago, with the White uh, Sox. He, with the Indians. The Indians. He okay. signed a minor league deal, I
1: believe. Interesting. He was with the Braves last year, and I think he's back with the Indians. But um, my point is, you never know. You think these guys are going to be good, but then it's such a big jump to the NHL, and you don't realize it. So he, I would go with the proving guy. It's fair. All right. Let's, let's move on to, real quick, the, the NHL All-Star game. Back to it a little bit. John Scott... He, we ripped the situation that happened to him, uh, two weeks ago in our last podcast about basically the NHL colluded with each other to get rid of John Scott for the All Star Game. All of a sudden, the fans came out in droves and basically lambasted the NHL, rightfully so, and Gary Bettman, and they they reversed they reverted back. They put him in the All Star Game. He's playing tonight. He's a captain. He wrote a phenomenal piece on the Players Tribune yeah, website, really which I, I thoroughly suggest you reading, and it's it's, it's good for people that don't realize what a guy like like John Scott would go through to make the NHL and why it's so important. And people are like, "Well, it's, you know, it's good for the NHL to put him back in." And I'm like, "Nah, it's not really." I, I yeah, they should they should put him back in. They should have never had it happen in the first place. Yeah. The fact that they thought it was a good idea to take him out. And he makes the point of you know, I might take myself out if it wasn't for the fact that every NHL player is coming up to me and and like loving it. And I didn't watch the skills competition last night, but all the videos I saw, and the players seem really happy for this guy. So it's going to be interesting of next year what happens. If they're obviously going to change the format of the fan voting, I think that's pretty clear. You'll probably have teams nominate five players or so. That though leaves the question of what happens if like a Dylan Larkin comes off out of nowhere. Like if if you were the Detroit Red Wings, you would not put Dylan Larkin on your top five to start the season for all star voting. Right? You'd probably put Datsuk. Um, you might even put Jimmy Howard on the list. Zetterberg, yeah. Tatar. You're not putting Dylan Larkin on that list, but he comes out of nowhere, which would be a, a fan write-in. That's what the MLB All-Star game does, right? They They have the, the list, but then they also, you are able to write in. Right. We, we did Sal Fasano years ago.
0: Yeah.
1: So this could happen all over again, and if it does, does the NHL then embrace it, or do they pull this crap again? I don't think they pull the crap again, but they. I feel like they really should em- embrace like, They
0: should you know what it is the all-star game is for the fans like that's what it, that to me is is the key and his it's-
1: t-shirts are sold out his all-star game t-shirts are sold out <laughs> i mean think about that it's john scott and they're sold out like
0: if it's the stanley cup and it's a meaningful game and 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 you know careers and history and all that stuff then i get it then i understand why the nhl would would want to jump in and 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 keep the sanctity of their event. But it's the all-star game. It's an exhibition performance. Essentially create it for television ratings. Like that that's the point of this. And the fans or enough of the fans, a vocal contingent of fans on you know on Twitter online, they voted this guy in. And they're the ones that you're putting the show on for anyway. So why not just roll with it and have fun with it? Like this isn't the idea of like, oh, we have to we have to preserve the sanctity of the all star game. Who cares? Three, about the sanctity of the three on three overtime all star game? Like, come on! It was it was always ridiculous, and I totally agree that the, the piece um that he wrote or that he he helped write. I don't know if these I don't know I don't know if the players are actually penning these articles or if they're more like talking to a writer who then writes yeah. it in, in an intelligent way. But regardless of how it was written, it was it was a great article. And to me, what what stuck out the most and really was the mo- what made the NHL look the worst is. Um, Scott says that, you know, he was still kind of on the fence and then somebody from the NHL basically said, like, well, you know, are are your kids going to be proud of you that you were willing to be in this all screen? He's basically like, look, like, I'm a father. Like, I decide what my kids are, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, the NHL does not decide whether my kids are shamed by me being in an All-Star game. This is ridiculous. And that was, like, the the, the last straw for him it was, like, no, screw you guys. I'm playing in this game. There's no way. And, and that just shows you, like, just how out of touch the NHL is. Like, that they're willing to go to that route to try to convince a guy to, to step out uh, of an they're All-Star
1: abs- game. Look, this is a league who wants to put a hockey team in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, they wanted to move the Pittsburgh Penguins to Kansas City. This is the logic that they used. They thought it was a good idea to go up to a guy and say, "Do you think your kids are going to be proud of you?" Damn right, dude. He's an all star. Like, all right. Do we all know that he that he's not an all star? Yeah, and even he admits that. He goes, "Look, I'm not an all star. I don't belong in a three on three tournament with you know guys coming down of like Tarasenko is going to undress me. I know that, but the struggle to get to the NHL and make it and stay there." In that sense, well, he is an all-star because it's not easy. You know, we think that these goons are, are just oh they, they they fought their whole career, and he makes a point of saying I didn't. I I got my first fight in the in the AHL. Yeah. So the, the NHL is so out of touch. We will actually talk uh, touch base on that uh, later on in the drive-through, but that's uh that's your NHL update. Alright, so it's kind of the dead period of sports, so we need to come up with topics that aren't Sam Bradford, uh resign, yes or no, which we will eventually yeah, get we,
0: to. We, before every, every uh, podcast, I, I always say, like, so is this the week we talk about Bradford? And we're just like, no, nah, we can put it off a yeah, little Yeah, we bit can longer. put it off. Eventually we will, because obviously it's the hot topic on, on Philadelphia Sports Radio, but we're just kind of like, you know, kicking the can down the, uh, down the street. Look, the Bradford talk is the new Mariota.
1: It's the new, do you do the deal of this year? Hashtag do the Last deal. year, you could say, are you in the favor of doing the deal? Mariota for three first round picks, Fletcher Cox and your first born. And all of a sudden the phones would light up. We're a podcast. We don't have phone calls. So <laughs> we don't have to really worry about that. We will eventually get into, do we think they should re-sign him? Yes or no. I did want to get into another topic though, that usually we just break down straight up sports. But this is kind of a more opinion topic, I guess. Yeah. Of stuff that you're just not over as a sports fan. Stuff that it's been, it might be years, it might be months, it might be even decades. And you are just not over something that happened. It could be sports. a game, it could be a trade, it could be a decision. Exactly. Anything. And the reason I brought this up was because I'm, I'm on Twitter, and I believe Owl Scoop. Uh, who will probably have on to talk about National Signing Day, which is Wednesday? Uh, retweeted a video of Temple football, just the the year in review, and they covered the Notre Dame game. And it's been three it's three months today since the Notre Dame game, and I am not over it. I'm I'm and I've been driving. Around. This is how you know you're not over something when you're driving around and it just pops in your head. And you kind of get like a little bit depressed because they had that game. Mm. And it drives me nuts. Like, we talked about it on the podcast before. Like I'm a diehard Temple Temple fan. Is, you're wearing I, a I, Temple sweatshirt right now. I didn't go there. I'll be the first to admit that. But I, I loved watching the program grow um, from coach to coach. And I went to all the games and everything. And to see them take the number eight team in the country to the wire the way they did is one thing. And I could accept it if they just lost if the, if the safety didn't take a bad route to the ball, they have the game, and that that is something I don't know if I'll ever be over. But the big one that's three months, right? That's I mean maybe maybe maybe, maybe you'll get maybe over it. maybe in a year I'll get over it. The other one was this week at the station we had Charles Barkley on, which by the way I actually heard that it was him and Dawkins. If you want 40 minutes of gold, get Barkley. <laughs> we have it on. I, I don't get paid to say this. We have it on our website. It's 40 minutes of radio gold. It was good. It was good. I caught the tail end of it. Yeah, it's Charles Barkley, and halfway through, we put Brian Dawkins on with them, And they just... Barkley was great, because we're talking about the state of the NBA. And Barkley goes, these games are terrible. They're terrible, man. I mean, who looking forward to the Kings and the Pelicans, man? And it's like it's great cuz it's it, that's exactly.
0: Yeah, it's unfiltered.
1: Exactly. That is exactly right. And he ends the he ends it with, "All right, you guys look forward to the Kings and the Pelicans game tonight. and to make sure to make sure to tune in for that for that great game." <laughs> and I think he had to do it. That was the best part. He had to work it and he's bashing it. But they had Brian Dawkins on and they were talking about when they left when they left the uh, the, the the city. Barkley by the way has a great story once again. It's on Go to 975 the Fanatic. We've been replaying it every chance we get. But you can go there and listen to the full thing. Barkley has a great story of when he left this, the town. And He goes, I thought I got traded to the Lakers. And I went out and got drunk. in During the day. During the day. I called all my boys over and I said, we partied. I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going to L.A. And he gets a call from his agent and says, deals off and you have a game tonight. So he had to go play like basically drunk probably had a decent game, they said, but uh, yeah, you had to go play a drunk. And Dawkins is a whole other issue, right? Like, Barkley wanted to be out. Dawkins didn't want to leave. leave. He brings up the fact of, like, it took him a solid month or two to really get over the fact that he was not an Eagle. And about once every two or three months, it hits me that Brian Dawkins did not finish his career as an Eagle. And that is something I will never get over. It pisses me off that one of the greatest players in the city, in the city of Philadelphia, in the history of sports, in this town, did not finish his career as an Eagle when he wanted to, and it wasn't like he had declining skills. No, oh, he had a great year his first year in Denver. Great year, yeah. He made the Pro Bowl. Yeah, and that is something that I will never ever get over.
0: You know, I think, and and I'll, I'll give I'll give my uh you know my thing I'll never get over in a few minutes, but I really do believe that the Dawkins, the decision not to re-sign Dawkins, the decision not to offer him a a particularly lucrative deal, um, I think that had a major effect on people, a lot of people, finally being done with Andy Reid. I really do. I I, I, I think that was, like, for a lot of people, that was the last straw. You know, they had 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 issues with him. You know, that season, the Eagles had gotten the NFC Championship game, but, like, I'll freely admit that The season after that, I found it tougher to really get into the Eagles. And I I was ticked off because, you know, Dawkins Dawkins not only was he a great player, but he was he was one of those guys that you really felt like he got it. You know, he was he was almost like a stand in for the fan because he would go out there and the the intensity you know, when they won, he was jacked. When the they lost, he was, like, devastated. And you looked at him, you're like, yeah, that's how I feel. So Exactly. you There, there was a real connection there, and when when they decided not to bring him back, I think they offered him, like, like, a really, really low low contract, and Denver just blew them out of the water with the amount of money they, they were offering. It wasn't even close. Um, I think a lot of people went from being mostly in favor of Andy Reid to being, like, well, I just don't. I don't. I don't want. I don't like this guy anymore. Like, how could he not bring him back? And I don't know how much of it was Reed. I don't know how much of it was you know other people in the front office. But I do think that that was a major contributing factor to a lot of people finally being fed up with the Reid era. I, I feel like
1: the Eagles lost their heart when they let him go. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound corny or anything, but like, if you go back and watch Brian Dawkins highlights on YouTube, and I do. You know, when I'm
0: bored. Well, I'll, I'll watch the uh, the, the, spe- Weapon the speech he gave after the uh, after they finally got the Oh, uh, the Hallelujah I, I- I'll, 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 I'll watch that probably it's, once it, every three or four Bargis. months. It's Burgess. It's Curse. It's, it's, it's Trot, my boys. We uh, came and we brought it every doggone play. Like, you watch
1: the highlights of this guy, and there's no doubt. like He embodied everything about Philadelphia. Everything. And I understand people are like, well, it's so rare for guys to finish their career. And I understand that. He should have been the exception. He should have. He wanted to. He deserved to. And it's so. It's like the the best karma that the day that he if he like signed with Denver it became it became clear of like he's not coming back. He signed with Denver. The Eagles signed stacy andrews i remember that and they yeah. inter they interviewed or they, they introduced stacy andrews at this press conference and no one gave a rat's ass about stacy andrews who for all intents and purposes was a pretty decent guard in seattle but they overpaid for him and it was a disaster with the andrews brothers or sisters if you want to call them that but they interviewed they, they introduced uh, andrews and every every reporter is asking about dawkins and andy Reid is like well, you know, this is this is Stacy's time right now, and I'll answer questions later. And it's like, "No, dude, like you don't you don't get it. Like you just let the heart of your team walk to Denver when he didn't want to. This wasn't a Charles Barkley situation where like, "Look, man, I love the city, but I got to get the hell out of here." Yeah. This was a guy who even when the team was losing, even when the team was having down years, he gave you everything. Yeah. And I'll never get over the fact that he wore another team's uniform. I'll never get over the fact that he now lives in Denver. When he should be living in New Jersey or or P- PA, but let's be, let, let's be realistic. Every football they, they player all live lives in New, New Jersey. Jersey. Yeah. I don't get it because they have flooding and roundabouts and everything. I don't, I don't get the, the, the attraction, but, um, he should, he shouldn't yeah. be living in Denver. His kids shouldn't have played football in Denver. He never should have went to Denver and I'll never get over
0: there. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I've, I've, I've actually had this conversation. I'm not sure if it was with you, but it was, it, it was like a, like a group discussion about we, sports. We don't talk outside of this podcast. Yeah, we, we actually don't like each other at all. Um. But, you know, one thing about athletes, as you get older, I think you, um, because we get burned, especially as kids, like, we get burned, we'll, we, we really like an athlete, and, you know, we think they're great, and then they do something bad. I'm not talking about, like, bad on the field, but, like, for example, for me, like, Marvin Harrison was my guy growing up, and then now there's a good chance that he maybe was involved with killing a guy. So, like, I don't, when when, when that happens, you kind of, you stop you stop being surprised when a player you like does something bad and you kind of prepare yourself where you're like, well, I shouldn't get in this whole hero worship thing because they may burn me. Brian Dawkins is probably the only player that like, I would be legitimately heartbroken if he got linked to doing I something agree. bad. Like, like I, I would, it, that would hurt if like he got linked with like, I don't know, like, domestic violence or, like... Drugs Yeah, or... like, like that would that would really, really hit me hard because I really, I want to view Brian Dawkins as this, like, paragon of virtue. And, and it's probably immature, but I do. I, I want to think that Brian Dawkins is, like, someone who I can actually look up to. I, I because of my job, I have the luxury of meeting former
1: athletes that we grew up idolizing. I, uh, Jeremiah Trotter, I've met him a, a bunch of times. Uh, Brian Westbrook's another guy. And I don't get starstruck. I've gotten starstruck a handful of times in my career. One of them was Chuck Bednarik at the Maxwell Awards where he was in a wheelchair and someone was, you know, wheeling him by and I'm like, Holy crap, that's, Chuck, that's Bednarik. Chuck Bednarik. You know, it's like a living legend in front of you. And I'm so mad that I didn't go up and say something to him, but I you know, I didn't know what to say. The other time was Adrian Peterson after his ACL season where like he, he went off. Right, right. And I had I was literally at a loss for words. All I could say to him was, You you're really good. You're <laughs> really good at football. Like it was the worst conversation ever. But the other time was Brian Dawkins, and I was able to muster up words. But it's like once again, you're in front of a living legend, and I was I was able to tell him, and it was the truth of you were the perfect role model growing up because you were exactly how you should act off the field, and you were exactly how you should act on the field. And it's so rare that you get a guy who you know, is as religious as he is, and and just doesn't even curse and and everything like that. Then he's an animal on the field, yeah. and It actually makes me sad that my kids will never watch Brian Dawkins. But then at the same time, I'm I'm happy that I grew up watching Brian Dawkins. And I never played. We never we played football like yeah, Yeah, screwing around exactly. Not like we never played played actual football. Yeah. But the the passion and the um you know everything you want to say about Brian Dawkins can be used for any sport. If that's that's how you should play, you should give everything you had. And and the fact that he just
0: you know he didn't finish his career as an Eagle, just I'll never get over it. So what's uh what's yours? So mine and and. It's. I guess it was around the same time. I guess when when Dawkins got let go. But I will never, never get over the um, the 2010 NLCS against the, the San Francisco Giants. I will never get over that because that was the Howard strikes out looking. Um. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we're yeah at, we were, we're at, at the game. we were at the game. Yeah, Jonathan we went. Sanchez we went, went to the we of the game one when Lincecum beat Halliday and Cody Ross hit the hit the home runs. But what drives me up the wall about that series is that. I can accept as a fan when my team loses to a team that I think is like of equal or better quality. Like I don't I don't look back on the 2009 World Series when the Phillies lost to the Yankees as like especially painful. It hurt at the time, but like the Yankees were a really really good team, really good team. They were they were stacked and the Phillies had serious flaws. They had a you know, they were still giving Brad Lidge save opportunities. Their their pitching staff behind Cliff Lee wasn't any, really yeah, all that Cole good. Cole Hamilton well, I had, had a bad year. year. Like, I look back and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense they lost that series. The Yankees were really good. The Phillies weren't—were good, but not that good. Whereas that 2010 NLCS, that Giants team was not a very good team. Like, they had—they squeezed so much out of almost cooked players. Like, Cody Ross is not a good—not a good hitter. No. They had—I think they had the corpse of Pat Burrell on that team. Yeah, they did. They had— uh, they, Jonathan Sanchez had his last decent Lania pitching Rebe. season. Like They were squeezing so much out of bad players or players that had been bad for a long time. The Phillies lost that series in six games. They outscored the Giants. They scored more runs than the Giants in that series. But somehow, every time the game got close, the Giants found a way to win, and the Phillies did. And the Phillies that year, if you remember, that was the year where they were not that good in the first half of the year. They made the Oswald trade. and the final two months of that season, they were they were the best team in baseball. They were unstoppable. They were so good that they ended up finishing with the best record in the National League, despite being a 500 team at the trade deadline. Like I, I was so certain they were going to win that series. Like I, even the Cardinals series the next year, like that Cardinals team was very good. That Cardinals team, the only reason why they were a wildcard teams, because they were injured most of that year and they finally got healthy at the right time. And the Phillies were the better team, but it wasn't like a dramatic gap between the two teams. Chris Carpenter had an amazing game five, and they they lost the series. It that's, that's that still pisses me off. It, the it, fact it that it they does. couldn't get one run for Holiday. Yeah, I, like... I I agree. But the Giants were not good, and the fact that the Phillies, in my opinion, was that was that that and then the 2011 team were their two best teams out of the run, and the fact they weren't able to get a championship out of either of them, it, it kills me. And that 2010 series, just because of how how. Bad on paper, the Giants actually were. They're, they 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 called it torture, and I just wanted to put a bullet in my head every time. I was like, you guys even know your team isn't good. You, th- you get it, it's, but like, you just
1: keep winning. It's kind of like the New York Giants when they won the Super Bowl. It's yeah. like you look at them, and you're like, you're just getting lucky. Yeah. Like, you're just—you're not elite. You're just lucking out. <laughs> I I remember walking out of that stadium just depressed, yeah. and we were all blaming somebody different. Like, I got one guy behind me playing, blaming, uh, blaming Howard. I think I blamed I blamed Madsen, um. Somebody else. I think somebody blamed Victorino. Like we all had someone to blame, yeah. right? Because we were just pissed off, and it was like that was that was the height of Phillies baseball. It was like every game was just great, yeah. fun to watch. And now it's you know kind of a train wreck, <laughs> yeah. but uh, looking better. But yeah, tweet us yours, uh, boom bust pod. If you're just something in sports, you're just flat out. You're not over it. It's been years. It's been months. Um, it could be. I mean. I, I, I had a men's league hockey game <laughs> where our best player put put the puck on my stick, goalie went down, and I couldn't lift it, and we lost the game.
0: There's, there's that I'm one fan, it. that one fan of your team will never forgive you for that play.
1: Well, we have a lot of our games, you know, 10.50 at night because we're big in Hawaii, so the West Coast teams, but... No, in all seriousness, if you guys are, if you guys have some, I mean, look, if we're weird, like I mean, you have nothing. You can't think of one thing that you're just not over. You after can all, tell us that we're weird. That's yeah, fine. I mean, we'll accept it because we know we're not normal people. But uh, I figure, like some people probably are not over that Reggie White left. Yeah, yeah, I think because, that's because of Norman Braman. That's fair. Some people probably still aren't over the uh, the Super Bowl loss of the Patriots. Uh, I would say some people probably aren't over um, the Flyers Stanley Cup loss, Michael Layton and Ned. Yeah, the yeah, puck. I I I thought for sure that would. That would be one that people were, But, I mean, you tell us. Boom, Bust, Pod. Uh, hit us up. All right. Crazy story of the week.
0: It's a doozy. It's got your two favorite things. MLS and stabbings. Yeah, they're definitely my two favorite things, without a doubt. Can't think of anything I like more.
1: So, the Seattle Sounders, it's one of the most popular MLS yeah, they're, they're teams. A, they're a big team. They're they huge. sell out their games. Like Yeah, like, they actually... They kind of look like a Premier League team when, fan base wise. Yeah. When they, I mean, the fan base down in Seattle is very impressive. Anyway, they have a uh, they have a player named Marco Papa, I believe his name is. Okay. P a p p a. I'm not a big MLS guy, so I don't know. So that, it may be pronounced differently, but we'll go with it. Marco has a girlfriend. It's great, right? Better news. She's Miss Washington. Yeah, that's right. He S- he did well for himself. Now she might have been a stripper because her name is Stormy Keffler. Okay. What a name. Keep going. What a girl. So Stormy gets all liquored up. Our drunk idiot, liquored up <laughs> Miss Washington, right? And Apologies somehow, to banner jack. Yeah. Somehow, in, in all this, this mess of the bourbons flowing, poor old Marco gets stabbed. Yeah, like knives. Not just like one knife, like knives into him. Just your usual Friday night. Yeah, you know, I mean, some people play uh, Canasta, and Stormy goes out and stabs people. Uh, Allegedly. So, the reason this is crazy is because the story just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Basically, she called up the, um, she called up 911, and she's clearly inebriated. And she's like, yeah, there's, there's like a, there's like an issue that happened. And they're like, all right, what's, what's the issue? And she's not really, she's like, well, my boyfriend had an accident, he needs help. Um, he's bleeding profusely, and and they're like, "Well, was there was there a, an altercation?" She's like, "No." So the cops get there. By the way, they ask, they're like, "Well, ask him how he got stabbed." Like, we have people on the way. Just ask him how he got stabbed. And she's like, "I can't, I can't do it. I can't really do it." I mean, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that the guy got stabbed, and you feel bad for him, like it's kind of a funny story because the audio. You can go on Deadspin and find the audio. But uh, she's she's like, I, "I just I can't do it. I can't I can't ask him how he got stabbed." But Make sure you show up, though. I wonder why. He's bleeding badly. (laughs) I'm
0: sure if if she asked him, she stabbed me.
1: Here's the crazy part. So the cops get there, and she makes up a story of, like, yeah, like he bumped into somebody, walking home from the bar, and then we got home, and he realized that he had been stabbed. So then he was like, well, I'll go shower, because that's what everybody does when they they get stabbed. stabbed. And then he started getting dizzy, so that's when they called the police. He's saying that she didn't do it. And she's obviously saying that she didn't do it. Meanwhile, there's no blood trail from like the steps to the apartment, like to the apartment. There's only blood in the apartment. There's literally stab holes in the wall and a bloody knife. I mean, oh, Robert Kardashian could not get this girl <laughs> off. Probably. He, the crazy part, though, is if that the knife fits. You must acquit. Exactly. He. He. It seems like he's not gonna press charges. She hasn't been arrested. It doesn't seem like he wants anything bad to happen to her. I mean, this is like. This is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty who would date her? This is right up there with, like, Lisa Left Eye Lopez from TLC. I don't know if you remember this story, but I doubt you do. I know I you're a big TLC guy <laughs> like I am. Don't go chasing waterfalls. But uh, she didn't want no scrubs because apparently a scrub is a guy who can't get no love from from me. So <laughs> she was dating Andre Rison, who is a wide receiver for the Atlanta Atlanta Falcons. And they get in an argument, and she says, you know what? Like, screw this. And she lights a pair of sneakers on fire and throws them in the bathtub. Next thing you know, his entire mansion is up in flames. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah. Now, she has recently passed away. So if you have a drink next to you, you know, big ups. All right. Raise one. But, like, I would never want to date her. Never. Like, would all right. I'll ask you. Okay. You're a single guy. Okay. And I often often ask this question about Lorena Bobbitt. Do you you know who Lorena Bobbitt is? is? She's
0: she she the one who chopped off the guy's death? Yes.
1: Yes. In the early 90s, John Wayne Bobbitt. Uh, he was cheating on her. She came home and decided like he was sleeping. All right, I'll, I'll cut it off. And then Good she's plan, like, yeah, right. So she cuts it off, runs out of the house. She's driving down the road. She realizes, oh, I still have it. She, she throws th- it out the window. Shuts right? it out the yeah. window. <laughs> he ends up going to have a great career. He became an adult film uh, actor and, and it starred in a, a movie called Uncut. Really, I can't make that up. So yeah. I often ask the question of if you're on like E Harmony and you get matched with with Lorena Bobbitt. Would you go out on a date with her just to say, I did it? But I'll I'll, I'll do it for of with Stormy Keffler who stabbed her. Keep in mind, her rich boyfriend, he's an athlete. She stabbed. Her. So if, if you if you matched up with her, and you gotta you gotta imagine she's probably pretty hot. Yeah, I would assume so. But you have to imagine that if you're going out on a date with her, she gets liquored up, the knives might come out. What are you doing? You got a hottie who might stab you, or are you
0: going on the date? I, I would say I'm definitely not going on the date. Ooh, bold strategy, Cotton. Bold strategy. Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I'm not... Not to go too much into, like, personal shit, but, like, I... Maybe if I was the kind of person that just wanted... To, if I'm just going on a date and I just want to get laid, then maybe, but... Whoa, if,
1: we don't know that Stormy's this, ty- that type of girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's not put that on her now, all right? She might not be, like, a... a uh, a floozy she just
0: stabs guys no, nothing on the first date I don't, we don't know we don't know yeah we don't know i i no, i would not go on a date with her because i would be legitimately terrified that she would kill me so yeah <laughs> I, I i i think that's a pretty pretty conclusive answer no i would not go on a date with her even if she was like apps an absolute absolute smoke show no no i'm not taking that chance i the, the 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 cost benefit analysis here is not going in my favor all right so there she is does that change anything? You know what? I'm, you know, I, I'm gonna answer it like this: If, if I somehow became appealing enough to extremely attractive women to get that, like, we both clicked like on our respective profiles, if that ever happened, I would assume that I would also be attractive to other attractive women that don't stab people. That, that, that I, I think that's that's probably that actually fit. is very good logic. Yeah, that's that's really good and, logic, and 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 I'm definitely not. Attractive enough to be attract to to be desirable to someone okay, who looks like that. Oh, but... Don't put yourself down. Don't. I, I, don't, I appreciate the don't, support. Don't. Put,
1: you look at every offensive lineman in the NFL. What do they have? A hot wife. What else do they have? Money, a lot of it. Okay, they do. But I mean, if you don't think women like hockey bloggers, you're kidding <laughs> yourself. The first ever co movie review. And it is also the first ever movie review that we're doing, where the movie hasn't even come out yet.
0: Yeah, we're actually like legitimate reviewers here. Yeah,
1: no, we are. I'm totally, I'm totally excited for this. No, we went to go see uh, the movie Race, which is about Jesse Owens. We, I, we didn't talk at all about it afterwards because I wanted to wait for the podcast. So J- the movie, if you're, if you're completely clueless to who Jesse Owens is because you're 20 something and don't care about history, which is kind of understandable, I, I get it. Uh, Jesse Owens was a African American who was a track, well, he really triathlete. I mean, he dominated the track and field. He's a great jumper. Great jumper, yeah. So all track and field events, like, he he was really good at it, but mainly just sprinting and, and jumping. So he just dominated at the Berlin Games. It's famous for he went to go shake Hitler's hand, and Hitler, like, refused to even meet with the guy because he was black. So it's the story of Jesse Owens. It comes out February
0: 19th. What did you think of the movie? I liked it a lot. Um, I actually, you know, it's funny. I didn't I didn't have ultra-high expectations, but when you uh, when you let me know that there was a, a screening um, for a movie that was going to come out in a while, and it's a sports movie, I was like, yeah, yeah I'll definitely go. Um, but I didn't have ultra-high expectations, um, just because I feel like sometimes those movies can, those, like, sports-plus-politics kind of movies can get preachy at times. And, and there were some, like, heavy-handed moments, um, which, it's going to happen, but... I thought it was really good. I thought the um what I was really really impressed with was the uh, was the acting. I'm I'm not a uh, a Jason Sudeikis fan at all. Like I don't think I, I everything I'd seen him in prior to this movie, I didn't like I just thought he played the same guy. I think he was really good in this movie. I think he did a fantastic job at a uh, at portraying like a flawed guy but one who still is idealistic enough to take a shot on on Jesse Owens and 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 push um you know, basically advocate for him at every turn. I thought he was great. Um, And the actor who played Jesse Owens did a really good job too. But, um, but I, I, I had low expectations for Jason because I thought he was fantastic in the movie. They did a great job. Um, I thought it was really, I thought it was really good. I, there's one scene that really stuck out for me. And I know you're more like the technical movie guy, but there, there's a scene when he, when he gets to the Olympics and he enters the stadium the first time. And, they basically it's like there's no words like nobody says a thing but it's like a one track shot where they just like kind of show the like the the mammoth stadium and they kind of circle around and they show him warming up and it's it's obvious you don't even have to say it but it's obvious like how like blown away he is by the fact that he's in the olympics and how how incredible of an achievement and how incredible of an event it is and and I always I always love that when when movies can 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 show not tell and, and that scene really really shocked me at, in terms of like how well how well done it was but uh, but you're you're the movie guy you do the review so I'm curious yeah to hear I, I about. I'm
1: the same way I love that you took the words right out of my mouth with Jason Sudeikis I think Jason Sudeikis is about as funny as a car crash and I think that he's in funny movies but he's never the funny guy in movies and it drives me nuts that he's always like portrayed as this hilarious guy. And I was really interested to see this movie, to see him and how he would do in a serious role. And I was actually looking forward to it because of that reason. And I thought he was really, really good in this, in this role of being serious. And as you said, like a guy with flaws who maybe uh, might be trying to live vicariously through somebody, um, trying to kind of push somebody where they might not want to go and not realize stuff. He did really, really good in that role. And I the guy that played Jesse Owens did, as you said, very, very good. Uh, the only thing I could, I, the only negative I could say in the movie was they kind of, they kind of wasted time focusing on his his wife and his marital affairs, and I just didn't care about it. And I, I felt like they could have probably saved a half an hour of the movie if they just didn't focus on, you know, his love life. And I understand you kind of need that aspect because if if you're a guy convincing your girlfriend to go to a sports movie, for some reason movie companies think that you'll be able to convince her by saying, well, you know, there's like a love story in it. And it's not the case.
0: I I it's- think I agree. Actually, you know, now that you now that you bring it up, I think that was unnecessary. I I think the point of that was to show that like Jesse Owens wasn't perfect either. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I I get why they thought it was necessary. Um, and I think it's important that you don't. We don't. You know go too far into hero worship i think it was probably a good thing that they make it make it out that like hey this guy wasn't perfect either he made mistakes and i i agree but i, but, just, but I agree it was a little bit overdone i i just i thought they should have cut it out a little bit
1: more than that but the movie itself i thought i thought was great and as i said i thought this movie should have been made a long time ago um it kind of reminds you like 42 where it's just like it should have it should have been made right and then it comes out and it, it for me like i was really looking forward to it i didn't know you Kind of had low expectations. I had I had high expectations for it because I was really looking forward to the movie, and um, it lived up to me. And as you said, like how it was shot, the way where he comes in, and it's just at the time that was the stadium. That, that stadium was like supposed to be the greatest stadium in the world, and then he walks through, and you know he's no longer a, a kid from Ohio, from Cleveland, racing in front of a couple thousand fans. Now he's racing in front of an entire country, and um, and how it was portrayed and stuff. And what I, what I liked about it too was. I have no idea who played Hitler because you never you never really saw him, and I, I kind of like that about how they didn't really focus on on Hitler too much. It was more of about Jesse Owens because that's a huge part of the story of like, yeah. you know, hey Hitler Hitler refused to shake Jesse Owens' hand, um, but they I mean they also focused on the race issue obviously, obviously, and that was that was a huge part of it. But it's a great movie and. If you don't know the story about Jesse Owens and/or you've heard of him, you heard his name, you know a little bit about it. I thoroughly suggest that you go see. It's called Race. Comes out February nineteenth. Uh, make sure to uh, to definitely go see it in theaters. And now for your music review. My music review,
0: yeah. Um, so I'm gonna do an album that I know we've both listened to because we um we both I we both like the band, the Beatles. The Beatles, yeah. Doing the. Uh, Doing Sar- we, we, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club we band. That. we already used that. And they have like a billion albums. Rubber Soul. Rubber Soul. We're oh, doing we, Rubber we Soul. Do Rubber Soul. Okay, okay. Um, no, seriously. Um, the band is a band that uh, I know we, we're both really, really big fans of one of their albums. Um, the, the band is Silverson Pickups. And uh, their album, Swoon, in my opinion, is like one of the best alternative rock albums of probably the past like 10 years um it's just one of those albums where i don't think it got like a ton of hype um but it's a great album because it's like it's accessible like you could easily hear all those songs on the radio and a couple of them were on the radio no panic switch the royal we were, were, were both uh were both moderate hits on on rock radio but it's just one of those albums where like song after song after song is really good and um because of that i I've kept following the band even though i didn't like the, the follow-up to Swoon, which was called Neck of the Woods. I, I actually like it. Yeah, I, I know we, we went back and forth. You you didn't like it at first, then it kind of grew, grew on you. I, I guess I really never gave it the chance to grow on me. I listened to it once or twice, decided it wasn't as good as Swoon, and just went back I, to listening to Swoon. That's actually what I
1: did um when I listen Look, as you just said, me and you are huge fans of Swoon, and I went in, and I'm like jacked for it. I listened to it, and I was like, eh. But I spent like a week down the shore, and it seems like every... Year down the shore, I, I seem to like listen to a Silver Sun Pickups album because they seem to come out with one, and I just listen to it throughout you know the entire stay down there as I'm reading and um yeah it, give it I just say, give it another shot because it does grow on you. You have to listen to it and realize like put it in the perspective of it's not swoon right. And if you just put that aside and you just listen to the album and and they have they do have some like solid tracks on there. Yeah,
0: but but their new album that they're their new yeah the new album uh, Better Nature um it came out probably like mid mid 2015 i guess um so it's a little bit late on the review but i i liked it a lot more than neck of the woods it's not it's not swoon for me at least um i still think that's their i don't think i don't think there's ever going to be an album like swoon yeah i don't think they're ever going to match it but i like this one a lot more um and again this also could just be expectations playing with me like I had such high expectations for neck of the woods and it disappointed me and then I had low expectations for this because I didn't like neck of the woods and it surprised me so maybe they're they're about even I don't know I, I should probably go back and listen to neck of the woods again but I, I I like this one a lot um I think one of the reasons why I liked it a lot more than I thought I, I was going to was because unlike neck of the woods which you know I, one of the reasons why I didn't like it as as much as I expected to was because it um it was kind of quiet. Like it wasn't wasn't as 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 rocking as Swoon, which really like the it was, was a slower time. Swoon temper. was dynamic, but like when when they got loud, they got really yeah. loud and they really went all out. Whereas Neck of the Woods was definitely a little bit more chill. Um whereas this album starts out with two pretty heavy rock songs, which immediately got me into like, okay, this is why I like this band. You know, they're 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 rocking out their their the the intensity's up. Um but even the even like the, the poppier songs I, I I like a lot, um, which surprised me. Um I liked uh, Pins and Needles. I liked a lot. Um, uh, Nightlight. I liked a lot. Like there's there's songs in the album that I feel like they're expo- they were exploring new new aspects of their sound. And I liked it a lot more than I, than I thought I would if they explored those aspects of their sound. Because um, there's a, more than a few like just straight up pop songs that aren't real heavy, but they're catchy and they, they stick with you. Whereas I felt like Neck of the Woods didn't so much. Um, The thing that. You keep poo pooing neck of the woods, and there's going to be a fight. There's going to be a fight? All right. I'm not playing games with you. (laughs) I'm not putting up with it. Okay. Um, One thing that's interesting about the album, and I think this was one of the reasons why I believe you didn't like it as much, is um, it was produced a little bit differently in that it was almost a little bit more, it sounds a little bit more synthetic. Yeah. than um then definitely than swoon but probably even more so than the neck of the woods um there's it, it doesn't feel as like guitar heavy even though there are a lot of guitars in the album it it feels a little bit more like electronic yeah. in a way um which, which which to me like i i liked it but i can understand why people wouldn't um because they're so i mean they've always been compared to like smashing pumpkins as like a you know real guitar and feedback kind of band so it's definitely an adjustment period for some for some people um but i felt like you know in terms of what they were trying to do with a lot of the songs, which is make it a little bit more poppy, I thought it. I thought it fit. It fit what they were going for. Um, so I, I liked it, and I. I know we've had this conversation maybe like three or four months ago about it, but um, I mean, have you has your opinion changed at all? I. It's funny you say this. I was thinking the other day that I
1: need to go back and listen to the album again and let it grow on me the way that Neck of the Woods did. Right. Um. But everything you said, I'm. I'm not a huge like synth pop. I'm not. I don't dislike it, but from a from a band like that, where I was really hoping that it would be more of a rock album, um, to to get a little too too electronic. I the first song on the album, uh, I think it's called Cradle. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is great. Like I loved it, and the rest of the album, like all right, like I, I see where they're going, but I don't know if I'm a huge fan of it. And um, and it happens. I mean, bands that you love that get loud and scream and stuff. It, it, the album goes on as. as their career goes on. You see them get more quiet, more quiet. And next thing you know, they're, they're not screaming at all because their voice just can't take it. Yeah. And also when you, I think when you're younger, you're just more angsty. That's yeah. Long. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I need to go back and, re- and review it upon, you know, the first couple listenings. I, I, I just like neck of the woods better. Um, I think for, for you, I, I call it the, the stepmother theory of the woman directly after your mother, like say your parents get divorced. The woman that your dad dates directly after your mother is the worst woman right. in the world. The woman that your dad dates after that woman isn't so bad because she's not the first woman. Right. So because you didn't like neck of the woods because it wasn't swoon, it might have been like you were destined to like. It's kind of like, for me. It's like the Star Wars movies. Like because Episode One was so bad, people th- this this movie the the latest one could have been average. And people would have been like, this is the greatest yeah, thing in the yeah. world, because it wasn't Jar Jar Binks running around. <laughs> so, I mean, but I I didn't hate it. Like, I've hated albums before. I didn't hate it. I I recognize the fact I need to go back and listen to it again. But at the same point, you need to go back and listen
0: to Neck of the Woods again. It's not that bad. Okay, uh, all right. If, if I listen to Neck of the Woods again, you listen to Better I'll think again. about it.
1: So it's the drive-through time it's the portion of our show where we focus on everything that happened in sports that we didn't get a chance to talk about but we feel like should be noted so let's start out with thomas davis he has 12 screws in his arm which is broken by the way but he still thinks he's gonna play in the super bowl is this a wise choice or is it the right choice
0: i i, I almost want to say both like, like both as in like no it's not a wise choice but yes i totally understand why he's doing it i mean this is a guy who's dealt with injuries his entire career he's came back from them and now he's finally reached the pinnacle of his of his profession and he may not be able to play because he broke his arms and so he's like screw it no i'm willing to deal with the consequences of possibly re-breaking it which i think probably has like close to a 50 percent chance of happening considering yeah the i position would say more than that yeah um but i understand why he's doing it and his thought process is i'm probably never going to get this opportunity again yeah. so i might as well go all out and if, if i get hurt again it's worth it so is it a smart decision? No. No, it's not a smart decision at all, but is it an understandable decision? Yeah. yeah you'd, I, you'd, I get it. You'd have to rip my arm off not to not to let me play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Um, back to Johnny Football. So police questioned Johnny Manziel after yet another altercation with a girlfriend. Not sure if it was the same one that he, uh, he had an altercation with a couple of months ago. But uh, this guy clearly has issues in, in multiple areas. How many more opportunities is he going to get? Is he destined for the Cowboys? It seems like Hugh Jackson wants nothing to do with him at all. Apparently, he hasn't even reached
1: out to the guy. I think he's probably going to get on two more teams. He'll he'll probably get at least one more redemption project. And I, I think he's destined to be playing in the CFL. I mean, honestly. Because when he plays, he's not awful. That's the thing. And we really haven't seen a long stretch of him playing. So if he can get on the field and play... And the team gives him an opportunity because it's, it's pretty clear that Mike Patton, it wasn't his choice. Yeah. He played him, played him when he kind of had to. And even when he played okay, like the next week he would bench him. So it'll be interesting to see if this guy ever actually gets an opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but it's, it's running out of opportunity. The guy's just, he's a train wreck. He's like a walking train wreck. Speaking of walking train wrecks, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, signed a contract extension to stay with the NHL through 2022. When when will it stop? Like,
0: when can we get rid of, of the count? I think as hockey fans, we're just going to need to accept that Gary Bettman's going to be the commissioner until he dies, which is, is infuriating, um, because he's just, like... Bettman has a lot of issues. Number one, his biggest issue, in my opinion, is that he just has no idea how to do public, public relations at all. He, just, he doesn't understand the fans and what they need to hear and what they want to hear, and he just gives them the exact opposite. Like, he treats the fans like they're idiots and and you could you could see it in the john scott thing like that was a classic example of him feeling like he knows better than the fan and yeah he's presided over an increase in revenue at the same time every professional sports league has, has had an increase in revenue over the last 20 years so i don't know how much he should really be credited for that um but like over the all at the all-star game like this is a classic classic Batman. to so the canadian dollars having serious issues and as a result the salary cap ceiling is probably not going to go up much, if at all, which is going to be a serious problem for teams, especially teams that are right up against the cap next season. And they ask him and he says, oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that at the governor's meeting. Nobody's really that concerned. It's like, It's OK, either you're lying, which you probably are, because I can't imagine that a major economic issue wasn't discussed in the meeting. Either you're lying or you're a moron and. I guess lying is better for the state of the league but it's more infuriating well, for the fans. How does it hurt him to admit, yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, like it's a big issue. But that's the thing, he doesn't know how to he doesn't know how to deal with the media. He doesn't know how to present himself to fans and we're just we're stuck with him as hockey fans unfortunately. So the Chargers agree the San Diego Chargers agree to stay in San Diego for this season for one more year. But the Rams agreed to let them share the stadium. It doesn't seem like it's a foregone conclusion. They're going to go to L.A. after next year, but it's definitely a possibility. Your thoughts? I, I just, I, I, ho- I can't wait for this to fail. I can't wait for two NFL
1: teams to just fail in L.A. Because I feel bad for the fans of San Diego. I, I, don't, I, I don't feel like they deserve to get their team ripped out of them because, you know, L.A. I, I understand L.A. is a huge market. We talked about it before, but I just don't see it working out. I just can't imagine that you have two teams are going to be successful in a city that is a lot of people are, are from other areas. And, and it's going to be successful. I mean, these, these fans showed up late for the NLCS against the Phillies. And I'm, I'm supposed to expect a diehard fan base in, in L.A. for football? Uh, two teams? Yeah, I'm not buying it. Chris Stats Porzingis' agent, wouldn't let him talk to the Sixers before the draft. Is that a good move? Do you blame him?
0: No, no, I don't blame him. I, you know, I, I, I think players probably deserve a little bit more control over where they go than they actually get, um, especially in the in the draft process. And I don't blame him for not wanting to really be a part of what was going to be a really rough first couple years in Philadelphia if they took him. Um, what I do think is this shows exactly why um you know why the Sixers, even if it was partially engineered by the league, why they went after a guy like Colangelo, because it shows that, you know, agents and whatnot were really, really, really struggling to deal with a guy like Hinkie And uh, and I think adding Colangelo to the you know to the process or to the mix uh should should help these issues not to occur moving forward. Uh may not get rid of them entirely because obviously winning is, is gonna is gonna cure everything and losing is always gonna be a problem, but I think it helps it helps this from, from happening again moving forward. You also have to remember that the Sixers
1: aren't New York, right? Like the, the Philadelphia, as much as we like to, to say it it's the greatest city in the world, like it's still not the market that, that New York is. Yeah. And if you're his agent, you see the Sixers at number three and the Knicks at number four, you're gonna want your guy to go to a bigger market. Also the fact that agents don't want to talk to him. We've had Devon Givens on, on the show talk about this. They don't want to discuss stuff with Hinky because he trades guides. That he says he's not going to trade, and, and, you know, he trades Rookie of the Year, and it might be a great move, but agents don't want to call it their, their Rookie of
0: the Year and be like, oh, by the way, he just got traded to Milwaukee. It's, it's not fun for them. So it's not just hockey anymore. Now the Oakland Raiders are exploring the possibility of moving to Las Vegas.
1: Thoughts? Yeah, that won't be a train wreck at all. I mean, you have multi-million dollar athletes partying up in Vegas, especially on a, uh, a franchise who's known for, you know, just parting it up? No, that that won't be an absolute disaster at all. There can only be good things that come from that. I don't understand the just the, the hype right now for getting a pro team in Las Vegas. Pro Las Vegas is nothing more than a tourist attraction, right? Like people live there, sure, but do they have the um, the population to actually sustain a professional sports team? And I I know exactly what's gonna happen. They're gonna get like a hockey team. I don't think they're going to get the, the Raiders, but they're going to get like a hockey team and immediately season tickets sales are going to be sold out. You know why they're going to be sold out? Because casinos are going to use the season tickets to give away to gamblers <laughs> who come in from all parts of the country and have no interest of going to see hockey in the desert. I, I, I don't understand why in a tourist attraction of a town you would, you would decide, yeah, let's put a pro team in there. That'll, that'll be successful. But nothing the Raiders do really makes sense. Shaq admitted to getting paid at LSU. Is it is it about time that this happened? That
0: somebody admitted to actually receiving money in, in college sports? Yeah, it's one of those things. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that these these guys get get paid under the table, particularly the uh, you know the big guys, the, the big recruits, the ones that you know ten, fifteen teams are, are going after. Like. Yeah, there's there's shady stuff going on under the table. Everybody kind of knows about it, but no one really wants to talk about it. So, and Shaq's the kind of guy who just doesn't care. I, I think no. I, I think as as you said uh, before the show that like he basically said, well, the statute of limitations is up, so now I can I can I can admit to this. But like, no, it's not surprising at all. And in all honesty, like this is going to keep happening until they finally start paying the players or, you know, giving them back something for all the money that they're making, you know, that college football and college basketball players are making the schools. Well, like, we, it's going to keep happening until, until they set up trust funds or whatever to, to, to give some money back to these kids who are basically providing unpaid labor.
1: Well, we know he got a car from Western University, and Ricky Rowe got a tractor and a duffel bag full of cash, and uh, Penny Hardaway's character got a, a house for his mom. I mean, we know this. so yeah. like It shouldn't come as a surprise that when Shaq transferred from Western University to LSU— Young
0: know, he got paid for it. So it, sh- it shouldn't come as a surprise at all. So the Phillies have seven prospects in MLB.com's top 100. Uh, we had Jonathan Mayo on a uh, few months to ago. To talk about it, yeah. talk about it. This is the most of any team. I'm assuming you, you agree and you think the future is no, looking bright?
1: No, I'm really looking for Look, seven prospects and the number one overall pick. So say Roman Quinn, who's the last prospect, he's at 99. He falls out, which he likely will unless he pairs uh, it up this season. Which could happen, but I'm saying, like, you know, with the draft coming around. They're still probably gonna have seven, possibly eight prospects in the top one hundred. And that is a ton. The the job that Matt Clentock has done and Pat Gillick and Andy McPhail, I'm not giving Ruben Amaro any credit <laughs> at all. Because I I don't I don't believe for a second that he had any say other than passing along post-it notes. On getting a trade done, on, on on the trades. Yeah, I, I don't believe I, you can't show me his lineage of trades and then point to this one really good one and, and convince me that he had anything to do with it. But it, the future is really—it's funny. This is the worst time to be a Philadelphia sports fan, but the future is bright for every team. It seems like, but the Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because all we do is talk about the Eagles, but the future is bright for the Sixers, for the Phillies, and for the Flyers. And the the future is a big question mark for the Eagles, but for the Phillies, you, you gotta like got figure they're probably going to compete in, you know, four or five years maybe? Maybe
0: two or three. Definitely not next year. It, dep- it really depends on who they take first overall. Yeah. Um, they could take the local high school kid,
1: Jason Groom, or they could take a, a college arm or college yeah, who, bat. Who
0: gets the MLB. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So that really, I mean, they took a, a high school kid last year, 10th overall, on Cornelius Randolph, who I thought they were going to take a college, college bat to get to the majors quicker, but they, they took a guy who they thought was better, but would take longer, so... You gotta like what the Phillies are doing right now because after years of just kind of trading away everybody, which I I have no problem with because it, you know it helped build. That's what you do. If if you think you can win now, you trade away your prospects for for guys like Hunter Pence. Who, granted, they don't pan out. The problem was you needed to get players for Hunter Pence when you traded him, and they weren't able to do that. So I gotta like what the Phillies are doing right now. I have to. That is uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, thank you everybody for tuning in. You can follow the show on Twitter. At Boom Bust Pod. You can follow us on Twitter. I am Pat Egan. You can follow
0: me at Pat underscore Egan. And I am Charlie O'Connor. You can follow me at BsH underscore Charlie.
1: BSH stands for Broadstreethockey.com, which is the website that you write for. I do. That's your go-to website for all flyers information. Make sure to check them out. Thank you once again for everybody for tuning in, and we will talk to you guys next week.